Have you ever wondered how you could join the Brew News crew? Well, swing over to patreon.com slash brewnewspod and you can join us. We have three different tiers for all of our patrons. At the logger level, you earn early access to all of our podcast episodes. At the IPA level, you get early access to our podcast episodes, but you get special weekly beer tastings that are done by various members of the crew. And you get special video presentations, including our Beer Miss Special. At the stout level, you get everything you get at the IPA level, but you also get to appear on one episode of the Brew News Pod, and when we have some swag, we'll send some your way. So feel free to swing over to patreon.com slash brewnewspod. That again is patreon.com slash brewnewspod, and join the crew. Welcome to the Brew News Podcast, all the news that's fit to brew. I'm Andrew Jennings. And I'm Travis Matherly. Today, we will be taking a look at the history of the American Pale Ale. America. America. America's Pale Ale. Yeah. This isn't your British Pale Ale. This ain't your mama's Pale Ale. It ain't. Actually, it is not. It's uh, not. It's it, maybe our dad's Pale Ale. Not my dad. Not he your dad. Drink. My dad. Him drinks. He, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. we can't say that because my dad's name is Jim, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> But Jim does drink, yes. <laughs> not my Jim. His Jim. My Jim. Uh, no, my, my Jim hooked me up with uh, a bunch of bottles for bottling, so I've got... Um, uh, a uh, the Bell's Too Hard to Clone I just did. Uh, he gave me all the bottles for that. Oh, nice. I, I bottled 36 of those. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is going to be just like our other style episodes, um, except this time we're not doing the drinking during the portion because the American Pale Ale history was not uh, deep enough for us to do our tasting during it. So uh, we'll do this like a traditional episode there where we have the tasting at the end. Uh, so let's kind of uh, start off. Andrew, what are your... First time with an American Pale Ale? Um, <laughs> as I'm eating lunch. Um, honestly, American Pale Ale is just a style I'm pretty sure I picked up early on. It's because Sierra Nevada. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the easiest craft beers to get hold of. It's one of the first ones. It wasn't my first. Actually, my first craft beer was either a porter or an IPA. Uh, I think it was a porter. No, take it back. It was a brown ale. And then I had a, an IPA was my next one. But um, American Pale Ale is just a good style. I, I didn't know there was a difference between that. I thought all Pale Ales were American Pale Ales. Yeah. Um, so this was actually a fun exercise for me to learn the differences. Now, Travis, what about you? Uh, you know, honestly, I have no idea what my first experience was with American Pale Ale. Um, if I had to guess, it would have probably either been a Sierra Nevada or maybe a Dale's. Something like that. I don't think it was anything noteworthy that I can remember exactly. Um, now, if you jump to the end of this episode, you'll hear us taste both of those beers. Yes. <laughs> So with that, let's go ahead and hop into the history of the American Pale Ale. So the Pale Ale itself is not actually an American beer. What? I know. It's um, an it's English style. Um, so Pale Ales were historically from England, uh, where they're also known as bitters. They're named bitters to differentiate themselves from the more, the I guess at the time, the more common English milds. So these yeah, are, so now you don't see English mild like hardly at all anymore. Well, not here. In the England no. that you do, but... Yeah, overseas. Yeah. And here, so if you find someone that has a bitter or an ESB, that's just an English pale ale. Ah, uh, yeah, there yeah, you go. There you go. So an English special bitter is actually just... It's extra. Extra special. Extra special. Um. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the malt was created using a light roast. It's called coke malting, not uh, cocaine. So remember from our Marzen episode where we talked about how they developed, uh, the English developed a light malting? Um, that the Germans that then stole for Marsons. Yep. Yes. Um, yep, yep. 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 That's the same way. Is that, that the one where they hid it in the cane and took it back. 
Supposedly, supposedly, yes. no, allegedly, allegedly. Um, but yeah, no, th- that's basically what this is. Um, that's how pale ales came to exist because they're a lot lighter in color than the mild brethren's. Milds look a lot more like brown ales than anything else. So British pale ales do differ from their mild brethren as they have more robust hop flavor and use more caramel malt for added sweetness. Um, traditional bitters are generally somewhere between a mild and a British IPA in terms of perceived bitterness, but are easy drinking compared to the APA. So, Travis, I want one-word answers now. What yes. makes the American pale ale different than the British bitter? Freedom. No, democracy. <laughs> Capitalism. Absolutely not. Cascade. Bingo! We have a winner. <laughs> it took us a while to get there. Um, but in a word, honestly, it comes down to Cascade Hops. Um Cascade hops were originally an attempt in the 1950s by Oregon State University to the hop research program to replace mild German hops such as um, Hallertoss and Tetning um, with a hardier American hop because there was a hop blight going on in Germany at the time. So your groups like Coors, Coors that were heavily invested in creating an American hop that would mimic German hops because they couldn't get the German hops and for yeah. their lagers. And they were originally German brewers. Right. So they, they wanted that German hop. Um, and if you've ever had a Sierra Nevada pale ale, which is 100% Cascade, you damn well know that a Cascade hop tastes nothing like a Hallertal hop. No. So they may have been aiming for a German hop, but they definitely missed the mark and made something new. Mm-hmm. Also, I find it fascinating that they had a hop research program in the 1950s. Like you would think that wouldn't have been around until the 80s or 90s. Mm-mm. But Oregon State seems to be ahead of the curve. Um, shockingly, as Andrew said, Cascade is nothing like Hallertal, Tetanang, Mandarina, Saz, etc., as it is much wilder and assertive in its citrus flavors. And instead of having the muted flavors of a German hop, this is a much bolder, uh, we're going to call it like the start of American hops. Yeah, this is like the quintessential American hop. Um this wasn't a big commercial success, shockingly, because you have to remember, if you listen to our history of brewing, in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, the number of breweries in America was less than 30. So you have just these large breweries that are not doing anything, and they can't use this Cascade hop. So they were about to, so they were about to rip up all the Cascade hop that, that was being grown in Oregon and plant instead something else that those larger breweries could use. <laughs> so it's like, no, this hop is too much. This is too much too soon. It's too much for our mouths. Yeah. But that was until... Our baby palates can't handle it. Oh, baby, baby American palates, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's until the 1970s. So in the 70s, as you know, the late 70s, early 80s, is when we started actually seeing craft beer. And craft brewers demanded this hop. They wanted this hop because it was something... They some, needed this they hop. They needed this hop because <laughs> this hop was something different. This hop was not Hallertal. This was not Kent Golding. This was not uh, Mandarina. This was America. And America has freedom hops. Yep. <clears throat> and all the seas. <laughs> and all the seas. Cascade, Columbus, Chinook, Centennial. You, that's about it. You always get lost in one of them, but I think you got yeah. them all. Um, and so by the late 19th... Columbus. Columbus, yeah. You always forget one. <laughs> can't, can't forget Columbus. Yeah, but by they the... technically discovered Puerto Rico. Gosh dang it. Not America. Uh, so by the late 1970s, we actually have an American pale ale... Um, the godfather of the American Pale Ale. Technically, there was two before it, but we're not going to get into that. Um, but the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, whose recipe has not changed to this day and is 100% Cascade, is the original Pale Ale as far as we're concerned. Still in production. Mm-hmm. Still everywhere. Um, if you've listened to our Sierra Nevada episode before, 
you will know uh, that they have breweries both in Chico, California, and in Mills River. Mills River, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was going to say Brevard, but that's Oscar Boys. <laughs> yeah. So this is the oldest American style non pumpkin division. If you remember from non pumpkin, non gourd. If you remember from our uh, Halloween episode last year, um, yeah, pumpkin beers are American beers. Actually, are the OG American. The OG American beer. <laughs> yeah. So in the 1970s, U.S. beer drinking is almost all lagers brewed by macros. Your Coors, your Miller, your, your Paps, Paps, your Anheuser Schlitz. Yeah, the white can that said beer on it. Yeah. In black letters. <laughs> <laughs> Lagers all generally have a light color and mild flavor that is based in malt. So it's not really, um, lagers aren't focused on the hops. Right. And the macros don't care really about the hops. They just need something to put in there to make it beer. Mm-hmm. But they're not focused on the flavor of it. Craft beers cannot compete in lager world. And why would they want to? They wouldn't want to. Um, so we want to talk a little bit about ales versus lagers. Um, just briefly. But really it comes down to timing. Um, you can brew an ale, you can have a work, if you're a craft brewery, you need to turn beer. You can't have things sitting in your tanks for months on months on months on months on months. For a pure, a true lagering process, the longer it sits, the better it is. Which, Set it and forget it. Yeah. Which is great if you have, you know, more tanks than there are people in certain towns and you can let it sit for a while. <laughs> if you have a, a tank farm. Yeah, if you have a tank farm, it works just fine. But if you're a craft brewery, you're starting out, you need to turn your kegs. You've got to get that mess out. You're going to brew ales. You've got to turn your fermenters. You've got to be brewing constantly. Right. Moving your tanks, getting new stuff in your tanks. You can't afford to let a lager sit for like three or four months. Right. So craft breweries at the time in the late 70s st- Stop looking at the German tradition because that's lagering. They started looking to the British tradition, so the English tradition for brewing, and they started looking for inspiration there. And that's what happened. They started looking at ales. They started looking at porters and stouts. Um, <clears throat> so in the uh, late, in the early 80s, U.S. beer drinking was nothing but lagers, and it was bad. There was no beer drinking history in the States. We had no rules to follow, which we've talked about before. Yes. We had no, no uh, purity. The only rule is there are no rules. Yeah. There's no purity laws. There's no nothing. So um, they don't even bother trying to make replicas of British beers. They're just saying, okay, we'll take this British technique of brewing, and mm-hmm. we see that a pale ale is extremely popular in Britain, and we'll just make it our own. Yeah. We want this thing, but we just want the skeleton of it. We want the bones of it, and we're going to build the body out to be what we want it to be. Uh, So the focus of brewing was not to make a certain style, but it was instead to create a certain flavor. So instead of saying, oh, this beer has to be this malt body with this that and the other and it it's has like, to be brewed at you know the third month the third day of the month with the moon in aries while uh, pluto is standing on one foot yeah like using your good brewer's paddle <laughs> don't use the bad brewer's paddle <laughs> in your good overalls no this is <laughs> in all in all honestly the rein hot uh stuff i mean like it's it's good it's what sets germany apart but mm-hmm. That didn't lend itself to American innovation and techniques and people wanting to set themselves apart and to be different. Um, So with the common nature of macro lager, craft brewers went with big, robust flavors derived from hops. So there there is where you see the shift. It's no longer based on we want this malt. We just need some kind of hop to put in here. We don't want it to be we don't want it too strong. We just need something to, you know, 
make beer. Right. But we're not, we don't care what the flavor of the hop is. And that's where American Craft Brewery kind of turned it on its head and said, you can get a lot of flavors and a lot of different aromas just by the kind of hop you use. So forget the barley and the malt and the weed and the grain and all of that stuff. We're going to turn and focus on hops and what they can do for beer. And let's be honest, there's been no looking back since. No, absolutely not. So the APA, um, very little has actually changed since for this style since Sierra Nevada created the pale ale, which, well, created their pale ale in the early 80s. Um, and it's so simple that most home brewers, this is the first style that they make. I'm like, if you brought a homebrew kit, I guarantee you it comes with an APA recipe and it comes with the ingredients for an APA. Um, my first beer that I brewed was an APA. Also didn't follow the recipe, well, but... <laughs> I was going to say, I don't remember that being a pale ale, Andrew. It was... T- yes, no, the first beer I brewed was a pale ale. Um, and then you had the New Zealand pale ale. No, I had a New Zealand IPA and a New Zealand pale ale. Oh, that's what I mean. The Green Bullet. The Green Bullet was the IPA. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But um, most of these beers are going to be like two-row malt. They're like the, the malt bill doesn't change. They're going to be two-row and caramel mm-hmm. if they're American. Um, Do they have crystal in them? Crystal. Oil? It's either crystal or caramel depending on – actually, we'll get into that as we talk about the characteristics of the style. What? Segway. Woohoo! Nailed it. Look at it. So um, flavors that you're expecting from this beer. You're expect- really? That's what the beer Bible, literally the beer Bible, which I have, says. I don't believe it. I have never had a pale ale with lime, but sure. Um, but yeah, lime, grapefruit. <laughs> I'm just thinking of, <laughs> I just had a flashback to like Monty Python in the Book of Armaments. <laughs> and thou shalt brewest thine American pale ale. Shall <laughs> have flavors of lime and grapefruit and orangutans and breakfast cereals <laughs> and squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> While Andrew eats some pizza, uh, the flavors in it should be lime from the beer Bible, grapefruit, black pepper, which is interesting, lavender. That one's going to be a hard one to pick up on. It is. Uh, as is bergamot, because I have no idea what that is. Uh, Burgermeister. Burgermeister. <laughs> uh, cedar, mango, and then a nice biscuit or caramel malt flavor as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I will say that. Biscuity is a good way to define some of those that aren't as caramely flavored like a Sierra Nevada. It's um, it's still that like it's not crackery like a wheat mm-hmm. ale, but it's biscuity. It's got that little bit of bready note to it. Yeah. So the goal here is to balance caramel malt base with smooth hot flavors. You want to know what a bergamot is? I do. Citrus bergamia, the bergamot orange is a fragrant citrus fruit the size of an orange with a yellow or green color similar to a lime depending on aromas. So it's literally something that looks like a lime that is the size of an orange. So we're going to say that the three-eyed squirrel tastes like bergamot? Yeah. Uh, depending on <laughs> bergamot right, genetic research into the ancestral origins of ex- extant citrus cultivators found bergamot orange to be a probable hybrid of lemon and bitter orange. Weird. Okay. Well, that would explain any lemony notes you get in an APA. Mm-hmm. That's actually interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know that I get cedar so much. Like if I'm, I get pine, but not cedar, but it cedar comes... is a very distinct aroma yeah. too, that I feel like would be very hard to like mask if you had that in your beer. Yeah. And ultimately this beer doesn't have like, you have to use this hop. So because of that, you can get so many different flavor varieties. Um, these beers are typically going to be towel headed, in color? I don't think you can say that. I I can. You can't. 
That is your word. That's my word. <laughs> so towel-headed, um, I'm pretty sure it's like a light blonde. Toe-headed. What? I Never mind. We'll talk about that. I thought you were saying something else. I, I literally can't see the, say the word properly. <laughs> no. Look, it's blonde. They're blonde color. They're all... Toe-headed. T-O-W. T-O-W-headed. Towel-headed. <laughs> like cow. It's not a cow. It's not a co. Oh, uh, okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, they're going to be roughly 5% alcohol with mid to high hoppiness, typically somewhere in the 30 to 60 IBU range, with most of them going to be under 50. Yeah. Most malt bills are pale malt, as we already said, with some crystal, occasionally adding wheat, rye, or oats. One of them that we will have tonight does have oats in it. Apple and Amispodiote. Woo-hoo. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> Hop additions are generally middle and late additions to create more flavor and aroma without adding a ton of bitterness. Yet you don't want these beers to be overly bitter. You're not going for an IPA level of bitterness here. This is just something to accentuate flavor. Mm-hmm. Style is extremely balanced and is actually a very good barometer of how good a brewery is. There's not, so it's like you can. It's hide. not like IPAs. Yeah, like you can't you can, hide yeah. behind this style because it's lower alcohol it's a lower ibu so your flavors and aromas that you get are going to come out and show themselves right whether you like it or not you can hide so much with an ipa hell you can hide a lot with a barrel aged something or other because you're expecting the barrel to carry the day yeah oh this beer didn't turn out quite like what looks like it's going in the barrel yeah <laughs> um so the balance between the malt hops and yeast allows a drinker to get a good feel for the brewer whoever the brewer is that you happen to be drinking out of yeah, and the APA did give birth um, to a couple of other styles, including the American Strong Ale and the West Coast slash American IPA. So an American Strong Ale is simply kind of like a halfway point between American Pale Ales and IPAs, and is best seen in the Dale's Pale Ale, and in Andrew's opinion, is not a real style. Yeah, I would argue that the American Strong Ale is just some bullshit shenanigans. Um, like seltzer? No, seltzer's legit. No, because Seltzer is getting its own style style at GABF, and I hey, don't agree with that. I don't disagree with it. I mean, it depends. It's well, not beer. I agree. Okay, I agree it shouldn't get its own style at GABF. I have no problem with it existing. Let's put it that way. Okay, I don't have a problem with it existing in theory, but I do have a problem with it having its own category at a beer festival because it's hard carbonated water. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you don't have to make it with barley or anything. So, but besides the point, yeah. um, the American strong ale to me, it's nothing more than a hopped up, um, or boozed up, um, APA or a, it's an APA that's putting on airs. Yeah. Which is Dale's pale ale. I mean, for pretty much, pretty much. Um, but so to me, it's not a different style. It's, 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 it's part of the same style. It's an APA. Um, Stop trying to make something. If you hop it up Stop more. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Right. If you hop it up more, it's an IPA. If you hop it down less, it's an APA. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. No. Uh, so <laughs> the modern APA does not concern itself with alcohol percentage so much. Um, and you find APAs in between 4 and 7%, which are more in line with a traditional IPA. So IPAs really, for me, start to, unless you're talking session IPAs, a regular IPA starts somewhere in the 6% range. And then it goes up. It goes up to, I would give it up into the 8s before. Dippa. Yeah, before you turn into a double IPA. And then anything over like 10, I would call like a triple. So for me, like the the Dippa Trippa thing, like. Trippin' on Dippas. Trippin' on Dippas. I don't think the Dippa Trippa difference really exists. Say that five times fast. Dippa Trippa (laughs) Trippa. 
trip a dip a difference. Yeah, I don't think that 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 thing exists. I think any I think you have essentially IPAs and then imperial IPAs. Yeah. Um. So all dippas, all trippas, all imperial IPAs. They're they're part of that same world because they have a different. They have so much more sweetness to them in general. Yeah. I think it's like when you get around that ten to eleven percent closer to that eleven percent probably for me. Like we've talked about before in other episodes, and like with the dogfish had ninety minute and the hundred and twenty minute, mm-hmm. where it starts to get that really like thick coat the inside of your yeah. mouth feel it like gets real nail polishy um more like you start hating yourself yeah it just like it's so acrid and so bitter and it's just it's like why <laughs> but uh, let me ask you why not just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something truth truth mm-hmm. now <laughs> speaking of changing things uh so hot bills the hot bill of this beer has changed greatly um, from the All Cascade Sierra Nevada. Who hasn't changed. Who hasn't changed one bit to the All Citra Cigar City. y'all. Yeah. We started this shit. This is ours. <laughs> this is ours. This is the way we do it. Yeah. All um, of you are just pretenders. <laughs> honestly, yeah. Um, Cigar City, we had them. They do an All Citra Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get other blends doing different things with Sea Hops, with all the Sea Hops, uh, the Amarillo. Uh, we're going to have one of my homebrews later, and that is actually done with all New Zealand hops. Yep. Which I actually did look up to make sure that it still qualified as an American pale ale, not a New Zealand pale ale. And it, it do. It does. <laughs> it do. Um, yeah. So American pale ale is the second most popular U.S. craft beer style behind IPA. Shocker, shocker, shocker. Surprise, surprise, surprise. An APA is differentiated from all other styles by balance. So the goal here is not to have one thing that stands out, but to have a robust hop character but still be able to find that malt quality in right. the beer. So whereas you've got lager, which is all malt, and you've got IPA, which is almost all hops. And Belgian, which is all yeast. You want yeah. to have a blend of all three so of them. So if that. you had a triangle right, and then APA in the middle. That's goal is the middle. Typically, America, true American I mean, pale are going to lean the toward the hop. That's the isn't it? Just aim for the middle. <laughs> you should have aimed for the head. No, nah, if you if you aim for the middle, you're never disappointed. <laughs> All right, well, we've talked enough about the history. There's not much because it fortunately hadn't changed much in the last 30 plus years. Yeah, so with that said, let's start drinking some of these American pale ales. first beer tonight for the tasting will be the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Uh, if you listen to our Sierra Nevada episode last year, we profiled this brewery and Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is pretty much one of the OG craft beers in America. Um, it's an American Pale Ale coming in at 5.6% ABV, 38 IBUs, is a delightful interpretation of a classical style. Funny, because they created the style. <laughs> so, well... Technically. Technically. Technically, no. No, technically Mr. Fritz Maytag did. Technically, but in terms the of guy, then who went on to uh, invent washers and dryers? No, no, he came from washer dryer money. Oh, this is Fritz, this is first we're talking about. He, he's anchor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The anchor steam ale is technically the first true American pale ale, mm-hmm. um, but it's not the one that made the style popular. That would be this guy, the Sierra Pale. Yeah, so it's deep amber color, exceptionally full-bodied and complex character, generous quantities of Cascade hops with fragrant bouquet. And spicy flavor. Right. So this is the when we talk about when we talked about before how the cascade like Sierra Nevada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when we talked about before that, let's see that the cascade hop is really what separates out the pale ale, the uh, American pale ale from the British bitter. 
this is the beer that did that, that took it. it it's an all Cascade hop. Um, and honestly, we're probably not going to talk too much about it because we've already profiled this beer before mm-hmm. in detail. If you have more questions, you can always refer to our Sierra Nevada episode. But we Which wanted to make very sure. Very in depth. Yeah. But we wanted to make sure we had this beer so we can compare it to these other pale ales that we have. Yeah. So it is, uh, Sierra Nevada is a little ambery colored. It's definitely looking at our lineup, it's probably third in line for darkest it's like spot in the middle where it yeah, should be yeah much. Um, <laughs> but it does have a good amount of like caramel flavor mm-hmm. and sierra nevada pillow is just one of those like you can get it anywhere anytime right. and it's always an easy drinking beer and it's supposed to be it, it is truly an example of a balanced beer it's perfectly it's supposed to be balanced perfectly between the hops malt and yeast flavors this is what when you compare your pale ale you should compare it to this beer yeah, it's pretty much Sierra Nevada is like the gold standard for pale ales in America. Yep. Uh, so our second beer is the Sugar Creek Pale Ale. This is a small brewery out of um, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, it's 5.2% ABV, 40 IBUs. Uh, it has pronounced hot flavors of fruit, citrus, pine, and grapefruit. Balance a caramelized toastiness from our unique malt combination, appealing to both top heads and malt lovers alike. Expect a medium-bodied ale with a dry finish that will lend itself to easy drinking any time of year. So this one, in comparison, so most of these pale ales do not have much head on them at all. I don't know if it's just my pour, but like I've still got oh yeah like a finger and a half of taster, like yeah. really fluffy white head. I drank most of my head because it was um oh yeah <laughs> it was too much. So this one is probably the second darkest. I don't know what's what's darker. Um, Dale's. This or Dale's. Uh, I think it's almost even. It's almost even. It's more opaque than Dale's, so it's making actually darker. It's darker. Yeah. So this is our darkest of the bunch, um, but it's still not dark by any stretch of the imagination. No, that is a lot more piney on the nose, and that is a lot of fruit. And it is a good bit more um, cloudy too. It is not nearly as crystal clear as uh, the first one, as the Sierra. Yeah, there's like two or three in this lineup that are really clear, and this is like Andrew said, it looks almost more like apple juice. I think, honestly, from a looking perspective, I would say um, like a New England. It's not quite that cloudy, but it's getting there. Yeah, it's really close. Wow, that's a lot of pine. Mm-hmm. I got an interesting back end. It does. There's like this. There's a little bitty teeny bit of bitterness back there, but mm-hmm. it is still like you can definitely tell it's not as caramel flavored as like the Sierra Nevada, but it's. Yeah got this little bit of toastiness um to it and i think the grapefruit is playing in there a little bit as well so that may cut some of that bitterness a little bit yeah. hmm, that's but that's really good smelling too just like in the glass that smells great yeah i really like sugar creek beer but um that is a good because it's not it doesn't depart so much from the sierra like there's different flavors there obviously but it is it's still a pale ale yeah, I think that might be actually the first Sugar Creek beer I've ever had. Oh, okay. I'll have to look that up on Untapped later. It's good. It's good times. Well, for our third beer, we're going to have one of Andrew's home brews. Woohoo! The Tree Meadows Three-Eyed Squirrel. Yes. I don't know why it's a... Is that a play on Game of Thrones? No, um... So, so instead of a three-eyed raven, you've got a three-eyed squirrel. Yeah, no, it's, it, it would be... You would think so, but it's not. So, um, this is a American Pale Ale... Uh, it's four and a half percent alcohol, seventy-two IBUs. It was brewed with the uh, biop style, so brew in a bag style, but it's brewed with a ton of Pacific Gem and Pacifica hops. So these are New Zealand hops. I, as 
maybe listeners know I'm a zoology major. I love animals. Uh, there is a little lizard, well, pseudo lizard on um, New Zealand called the tuatara. The tuatara has three functional eyes. Two of them are like normal eyes, binocular vision like we have. And then their third eye is more like a photoreceptor. It's on the top of their head. So they functionally have three eyes. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> looking at it with its third eye. Right. In so, the future. So always. it's... I was going to get name it off after the Tuatara, but I was like, you know what? It's also still an American ale. So what's a nice, normal American creature? The squirrel. A gray squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Andrew's <laughs> note says that this, uh, the New Zealand hops give it a robust orange aroma and flavor. Uh, was it, you had a two and a half gallon batch used four ounces of hops with at least a quarter ounce added every five minutes of a 60 minute boil. That is an equivalent of 3.1 pounds of hops barrel yes there is, seems like a lot there's a lot of hops here <laughs> i would never ever brew this beer on something larger than a homebrew setup but you know what the funny thing is it smells like orange marmalade yeah <laughs> like there's a sweet quality in that orange like it's a little caramely mm-hmm. like everything else but that really smells like orange marmalade tastes like it too Oh, gosh. I do like this beer. I'm going to have to do this again. <laughs> yeah, that's... I mean, there's like a little bit of piney resiny-ness yeah. in there. Oh, man, that's bitter on the back end. It's, wow. It is 72 IBUs. And like I said, it is way... It's it's the hoppiest beer we're going to have tonight. Yeah, I was going to say, every other beer... Well, let's see. Oscar Blues comes in at 65, but everything else is uh, below 50. Yeah. IBUs and this is, yeah that's a lot of lingering bitterness though my friend yeah well I mean I, I was using a, a version of like the sixty minute hop method um, from um, uh, Dogfish Head um, by adding hops every five minutes in the boil um, and then as I got towards the flavoring additions I tossed in more um, um, I, I did a little bit more so like half ounces as opposed to quarter ounces but yeah that's a lot of hop in this beer yeah that is a uh... I mean, it's delicious. It tastes like orange marmalade, but that bitterness is something else. Yeah. As it is, this style is typically the first style that people homebrew. Um, this is not my first pale ale, but this is the first one I sort of made up on the fly. Um, and this is, it's not as balanced, I'd say, as the others. It's more hop heavy. Um, so I would almost say it's more like a session IPA. Um, yeah, you're kind of moving into IPA territory with that. But I really like it, though. Yeah. That is legit. Yeah. Orange marmalade. And I love it. <laughs> well, um, so we talked about the homebrewing aspect and we talked about sort of the, the versions of the American Pale Ale that are common these days. Um, there's the quote unquote extreme American Pale Ale, which is pretty much, I don't, I still haven't figured out like a good definition of the difference between the extreme American Pale Ale and an IPA. Um, but... I, I guess there's more malt base in, an, uh, in like these. So we had, Laura and I had a, a Pale Ale just this week that had 7% alcohol. It was delicious. That's not a pale ale. And that's what I thought too, but it's <laughs> technically an APA. That's an IPA. Well, it's an APA just like our next beer is. Uh, this yeah. is the Oscar Blues Dale's Pale Ale, 6.5% ABV, 65 IBUs. It's the original craft beer in a can. Um, and it was also the first beer brewed by Oscar Blues. Um, we profiled this beer in depth in our Oscar Blues episode. Feel free to swing back to that for yeah, more Yeah, with info. that great interview with, uh, was that Aaron Baker? I think it 
Yes. Yes. From the uh, from the marketing team. Yeah, marketing team because we were talking about Burning Can coming up mm-hmm. and Canarchy. And Burning Can's coming up uh, this year too. So <laughs> get out. your tickets. Get your tickets. Get your reward. <laughs> no. uh, so yeah, uh, if you go back and listen to the episode, you uh, get a more in-depth feel for this. But uh, just as a reminder, this beer actually started as a joke because the founder of the company, Dale, used to make it in a bathtub, and according to him, it was awful. So it was everybody just joked that this was his terrible bathtub beer. But now it's their flagship beer. Uh, it's got a hoppy nose, assertive but balanced pale malts, and citrusy floral hops. Yep, a little bit of carameliness. Yeah. From everything, this is the most similar to the uh, the Tree Meadows beer in terms of like um, the hop flavor, the hop profile and balance on the back end. It's not as balanced as the Sierra, so I'm keeping. It's, it's I'm keeping the most both. floral. Yeah, they are right to call it floral. Um, it's not as piney smelling. It doesn't have as much. When they say citrusy to me, it maybe leans more towards that grapefruit note yeah. than an orange note try it side like taste them side by side with the sierra and you'll see like this is not like balanced the same way sierra is yeah i mean the sierra is definitely just very even keeled mm-hmm. like sierra is like all the notes are playing in unison together the dales is kind of more like your homebrew where it like it amps up the bitterness at the back end mm-hmm but it's it's also Dale's Pale Ale to me in this tasting. And I've always thought this about this beer. Now, I, I like Dale's Pale Ale a lot. It's a great beer. For 6.5% ABV, it tastes and drinks really boozy. Yes. So, like, there, it feels like a lot bigger of a beer than it is. Like, this does not feel like 6.5% alcohol. This feels more like an 8 9% IPA that's, mm-hmm. like, leaning towards a double IPA. It's just got a lot of... Yeah. Like alcohol ether notes on it. Right. And like we sort of talked about in our episode about them, they have some really, really good IPAs. Heck, their Blue Can IPA, mm-hmm. um, just their standard IPA. I the think Fugly. It, the Fugly is excellent, but the, just their regular normal IPA that you can never find anywhere except the one for that the, says IPA on Yeah, it. just IPA. <laughs> that one's delicious. Um, and I don't think this strays too far away from those beers. And that's where it's <laughs> like, yeah, is, is an APA, like a higher or boozier APA, really just an IPA? Yeah. And in my opinion, it kind of is like, I don't mind. Now, what I really like is, you know, besides like the Sierra Nevada, but I really love like a pale ale that's lower down in the fives, Mm -hmm. but is hopped nicely. Like has a little bit more of a hot bitterness. I like it a little more hoppy than I do malty. Mm -hmm. But just like you can't ever complain that like Sierra Nevada is truly what it is. Like it's just balanced all the way across the Dales. Tends more to that alcohol, hoppy side. Right. I really honestly think the Sugar Creek is the most interesting so far. I'd agree with that. But we'll see how we feel about that after we drink our last beer of the evening. (laughs) This is the Appalachian Mountain Brewery Spodiote Dopalicious Little Vixen. So, no, it's just Spodiote. (laughs) like, does it say that somewhere? No. Appalachian (laughs) Mountain Brewery is uh, from our home state, North Carolina. It is up in Boone, North Carolina. Uh, located near Appalachian State University. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are a part of who, Andrew? Uh, Craft Brewers Alliance, which is now uh, majority owned by AB InBev. Um, which is unfortunate. Yeah. So but Craft you can Alliance, get their stuff Yeah, anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And Craft Brewer Alliance, for those you're not paying attention, is Kona, um, uh, yep. Red Hook, mm-hmm. I think Whitburn Brothers. Um, yep. Who else is in there? There's a couple of good... Is it Magic Hat? I don't think Magic Hat's part no. of that. No. Um, is there something up in New England? There is something that? in New England. Um, 
and there's something down in Florida. So they have breweries all around the country, um, and they have a very there. We'll talk about. Uh, let's, we'll do, that's we'll later, do an episode on them. We'll, do, we'll either do an episode on them or on beer conglomeration at some point, probably in a, a brew news 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 break. Uh, but yeah, so this is Spodioti. Um, this is. Uh, when we talked about before, like people started adding things to the American Pale Ale, that's why I got this beer because it, they added oats to it, so it should be smoother. It should be unique. Well, full disclosure, I love Spodioti. Appalachian Mountain Brewery, even though they sold out, is a fun place to go in Boone. Oh yeah, um, it's one of like two or three really good breweries up in Boone. Yeah, uh, but they've also I've always got they've got really good stouts. They've got one that's called Cream. So they have a bunch of hip hop references oh, yeah, cream, and a yeah. lot of their stuff. So it's like a donut cappuccino stout. And it's delicious. <laughs> but uh, anyways, back to the Spodioti Dopalicious Vixen. This is 5.4% ABV, 48 IBUs. It's a smooth take on the American Classic Pale Ale brewed with a heavy nose of oats that makes for a creamy mouthfeel balanced by a unique hop-forward flavor and aroma. So you can smell the oats in it. It smells... Maybe you can. All I get is the hop. All I get is... Is that pine mostly? A little bit of pine, a little bit of your grapefruit. I mean... Mm-hmm. You don't get like a bunch of weird, like fruit notes. Right. Varied throughout this, it's like either you're saying you're not getting like orange, pure orange like mine. (laughs) You know, there could be like a. It's a little maybe lemony too. Maybe a little towards that grapefruit lemony. I get more lemon on the on the on the mouth when I taste it, and this beer is smooth. Has a a very thick mouthfeel, which is goes down smooth. It goes yeah. Which is just like what we sort of expected from the oats. Yeah, so it does. It has like that. They're right with that creamy mouthfeel. So like adding those oats into the brew really just like gives it this fluffier, thicker mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. Just by looking at, I mean, it's still bubbling, but it's not as heavily carbonated maybe as some of the other ones. And I don't know if like the oats do oats kill carbonation a little bit. Maybe they kill head retention of maybe a little bit. Honestly, yeah. the. Well, I mean, this has got a nice little head on it still, and you swirl it up, and it comes back to like a half finger of like really tight little bubbles. I haven't used oats, so I'm not really 100%. Get one of my homebrew buddies to talk about it, but I've got some behind you on the counter. What make that baby oatmeal? Oh God, no! (laughs) You can have some. Nope, I'm good. Um, I do think it's interesting that the taste, the taste of that and the Sierra are very similar. Like yeah, the actual like flavor. I'm going back and forth between them, and I don't notice a I notice a difference in the mouthfeel and the nose, but the flavor is pretty much spot on. Yeah, it's definitely it's got that thicker mouthfeel for the Appalachian, mm-hmm. but the Sierra Nevada would be to me a little more caramely, um, a little more caramel. Um, the Spodioti does have like when you finish mm-hmm. it off on the back of your palate, there's like that little bit of lingering pine bitterness because this one does smell hoppier than the Sierra. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not nearly as hoppy as like your beer or, or the Dale's. Dale's. Yeah. <laughs> it's also like it's Bodioti is like a very nice, easy drinking pale ale. Right. Um, you know, still at 5.4% ABV. That's kind of where I like my pale ales mm-hmm. to be. 40 IBUs is 48 IBUs, sorry. Uh, I was looking up at Sugar Creek, yeah. which is why I like the Sugar Creek so much as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a tie for me between like Sierra Nevada is always the good standby. Dale's, love Dale's Pale Ale. But this, the Spodioti, that take on it is mm-hmm. something different and nice with the addition of those oats. I think for me, the Sugar Creek is my favorite of this batch. Um, it's the most unique. It is. I think it's also very well balanced. Um, mine and Dale's are both 
way off balance. Like they tend more toward the hop bitterness. I would argue that the Spodioti is really good as well. Um, and then of course, we're comparing all this to the Sierra because Sierra is the standard for American Pale Ale. If you don't recognize that, then I, I can't help you because that is the beer. Um, but personally, I like the Sugar Creek the most. I think it's got a really good balance to it. I don't, I'm, this, the caramel on the Sierra is not so crazy to me um, that I that like I really taste it a lot. So to me, the Sugar Creek with that lovely little balance is just excellent. Yeah, I like the I like the citrusy note. Now yours was like, see, it's a it's a hard one. So probably my favorite of the evening. Sugar Creek is probably the biggest surprise. Mm-hmm. So I like that the most. Yours was like orange marmalade, which was very interesting. <laughs> so it's probably coming in like a close second, but I mean. Sierra Nevada is it it is what it is. I kind of, you know, it and the Spodioti are kind of tied for mm-hmm. me with Oscar Blues bringing up the rear. Mm. Kind of not that I don't like it. It's just out of these selections I like right. The other stuff I don't like that because I just finished my taster of that Oscar Blues. And you know what it actually reminded me of is it's kind of starting to lean Almost towards like a like a dipa or something. Well, a dipa, but it gets that like the inside of your mouth mm-hmm. feel that we talk about with like the uh, nail polishy quality right, because right, of the right, alcohol right. heat. But it also kind of starts to go towards like a maybe like a wee heavy or like a barley wine type thing. Yeah, where it's just a lot of alcohol. Um, well, drink you some more marmalade. It'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> drink you some more marmalade. Uh, no, I think that's. I mean. Yeah, for me, that was the bringing up the rear, but I was pleasantly surprised by the Sugar Creek mm-hmm. being the first beer I've had from them. And then, you know, all the others just good. besides yours are just good. I mean, a, a pale ale is a good style. I like pale ales. It's one of my favorite styles that you just don't see a ton. You see everyone doing like all these different IPAs, things like that. But to your point, if you have a pale ale, you can drop the alcohol. You don't have to be six and a half, seven percent, which means you can drink more of it and enjoy yourself. Yeah, I can have a sixer of these where I can't have a sixer of like a seven and a half percent. Right. IPA. Well, I can't, but I shouldn't. Should you have children? I can have a sixer. <laughs> I can have it. I just can't go anywhere after. Right. And I have noticed that, you know, it's kind of funny because you talk about that, like having the kids. Like when we've gone out to brewery since we've had the boys, like I'm looking like normally I would be like whatever. Stout ten yeah. percent ABV stout. Give me one of those. Give me an IPA. Give me so and uh we were actually at a brewery uh last weekend and I just had their lager. Oh, yeah. I was like I can get a 20 ounce pour of this five ounce beer and be completely fine. Whereas yeah. I don't need to buy that 20 ounce of the seven and a half percent IPA. Right. So I got to get us all home. <laughs> uh, so it is nice, but you know, like the APA, I feel like some breweries, uh, you know, when they, people see pale ale, they're just like, Oh, it's kind of like a nicer Budweiser or whatever. And yeah, like some people don't go, some people, there are people that brew bad pale ales that don't have like any hop flavor and they're all malt and yeah but they shouldn't but those shouldn't be those should be more like the english bitter they're 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 labeling it incorrectly and you're right like the style is not really well defined except that it's just a hoppy english bitter like yeah. that, that's that's really the basic style the we basic just took an english beer and we made it a little more bitter for the american we made it american we americanized it yeah but that's all it is ultimately but um it is we had a dash of freedom <laughs> and I will say for these five beers, all of them were pretty much the same color too, um, which is also another hallmark of the APA is to have an, like a golden color. Yeah. Now there, we did, like you said, um, as we noted, as we went along, we went from crystal clear to like 
super cloudy, mm-hmm. but it's that amber colored beer. Yeah. So it is it is kind of like it looks similar to a lager in a glass. Right. Some of them. The, well, like the Sierra did. Mine did not. Yours did not. Yours <laughs> and the Sugar Creek looked like apple juice. Details. And it's delicious. Yes. But right. American Pale Ale, highly recommend the style. If you have, if you're really, if you're a big lager drinker and that's what you drink mostly and you want to transition into more ales, mm-hmm. APA is a good way to do it. Don't yeah. don't do the Dales. That's going to be too bitter. You're going to hate yourself. But any of the it's going to be a little too boozy. <laughs> a little too boozy. But get hold of a Sierra Nevada. Get hold of yeah. any other APA. Uh, like the, the American Pale Ale style is fun. From a homebrewer's perspective, it is a ton of fun because you can mess with it. You want to have it balanced with the malt and the hops and everything. But at the same time, you can try different things. You're not forced to use Hallertal and Tetanang hops. You're not forced to use Saws. You're not forced to use these these lighter things. You can use big, robust, flavorful hops. Yeah. They're going to compete with that caramelized malt. Right. You're, you're not making a malty beer. You're not making a hoppy beer. You're making a balanced beer. Well, you use those German 15, 16 noble hops. Like, it's just, they're milder. They're more floral. They're more, right. you know, a little bit more, like, fragrance. They're not bittering type hops. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean, APA is a great style. And there's so many different ones to try. And it, like you said, it's, a, you know, we always talk about these transitions for people between, like, going into craft beer. Like, right. from drinking your Yingling and your Boston Lager or, like, Oktoberfest and that kind of stuff. Like, this, this is, a, good is style. a style that can easily transition you into IPAs. And they're typically not too heavy either. So, you, they're a good eating style. You can eat with them. Yeah, these would go great any pale ale i love pale ales more than ipas when i'm like eating like if we're grilling out burgers oh my gosh, chicken yes. hot dogs something like that this this is like an easy barbecue grilling out kind of beer yeah and that's what i brewed the i say uh, barbecue for mean, us means something completely different for the rest of the country for the rest of the country yes <laughs> but that's what i actually brewed the the uh three-eyed squirrel for was for a family cookout yeah, so, I mean, yeah, burgers, so, dogs, chili, slaw, something like that. Yeah. It's going to go great with potato salad, yeah. everything. And if you have a good one with a nice hop balance, it works well with spicy foods too. Oh, yeah. Yep. You can easily take this pale ale and have like some spicier Indian food, some spicy Thai food, mm-hmm. something like that. And it's just like it's light enough and refreshing enough that it cuts that heat. But the hot bitterness adds a little something to it. But, yeah, this is a great style if you were eating some kind of like spicier food as well. Yep. Completely agree. Right, well, I think that about wraps it up for our history of the American Pale Ale. We thank you guys, as always, for listening. Hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned a little something along the way. Uh, we will see you guys next week. And as always, thank you for your support. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this week's Brew News. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe and give us a rating in whichever app you found us on. We value your feedback, and it also helps the show reach more listeners. If you have any thoughts or suggestions for future breweries or are with a brewery and would like to join us, feel free to tweet or follow us on Twitter at brew underscore news. We're on Instagram at brewnewspod, and you can visit our website, brewnewspod.com, where we will post links, photos, and tasting notes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with more exciting brew news. Cheers. Cheers.